Welcome to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Federation. Joining us today is a big supporter of the Federation, Father William Weary of the Diocese of Harrisburg. Welcome, Father. Well, thank you, Maria. It is delightful to be here. You are correct. I have always been a big fan of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Keep up the good work, you people. Thank you so much, Father. And Father, let's start out by asking, what led you to become a priest? Well, I was uh, working as a newspaper reporter in my hometown after having acquired a, a Master of Arts in Journalism at University of Missouri. And I was living on my own. Uh, my mother was only a few miles away in Camp Hill. and um, But I had my own place. And I was getting involved in the parish. I think that really did it. I got involved in the charismatic prayer group and I became a lector, a CCD teacher, and also involved in young adult ministry, which was uh, for, it started out with single, as single singles in their twenties and thirties. It branched into um, young married couples as well, which was a good move. In any case, I was involved in that. It was a discernment, almost a, what we say, an Ignatian, Ignatian discernment of spirits in the sense of what do I want to do for the rest of my life? What resonates best with me? What I'm doing at the newspaper or what I'm doing at the parish? And uh, that second one is what really sort of resonated. And of course, it's a big move to go to seminary, but I figured I can always leave. You know, if, it, if it's not a good fit, and I would say that to any young man, you know, you're you're free. Before the Second Vatican Council, it was more almost coercive. You know, <laughs> it was uh, if you left seminary, it was a shameful thing. But it's common now. Uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but I figured I could I could always leave if if it didn't fit right. And I never did. I hung in there for five years. And so that's what did it really. I think I believe working in the parish. Wow, that's that's tremendous. And, and that's uh very encouraging to the young people who might be listening and, and might be wondering if they um, have a vocation to the priesthood sure. or the religious life. Yes. So the vocation, the dynamics of a vocation are very mysterious, uh, how God works, how God's grace works in general, but also in this particular area of call to the priesthood or religious life. And I, I know young people sweat bullets over it when they when they feel called and take to take that plunge, especially celibacy. Um, and and everything else, poverty, you know, the simple lifestyle. I always admired. I mean, I was I did not have a really um, you know high earning job. It was a small town newspaper, but I always admired uh, those seminarians who came from the professions. The guy next to me in seminary was a psychiatrist from Arizona, and you know, lawyers and engineers and living sort of shall we say high on the hog, and they're the ones who took to take the plunge. And to a very simple lifestyle, living in rectories, uh, I was always admired that tremendously. I was, uh, I mean, that was the 1970s uh, when I was working, and I didn't even have a TV uh, in my apartment and a third floor walk up. So, uh, you know, uh, a rectory was kind of a step up in a way. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you come to hold your pro-life beliefs? Oh, from the get-go, um, I I was always horrified by abortion. When Roe versus Wade passed in 1973, it was my senior year of college. It 
Um, and um, I was naive enough to think, you know, the maternal instinct. I didn't think it would catch on if there'd be no big deal. There might be a couple hundred abortions a year in the mm. United States because women are just not going to go for it. Mm. And of course, the the opposite to, to, to uh, not a large percentage of women, and you could attest to that, uh, of the population gets abortion, but uh, a lot more than, than, than I thought. And I was just gobsmacked by, and to today I'm, I'm still horrified when I see the big pro choice pro abortion demonstrations of these young women uh basically saying you know screaming out in so many words uh, we want the right to kill our babies and and uh, i i i'm a great fan of women of the the, the feminine dynamic and uh, the feminine influence uh the the childbearing uh, capability i've always been very romantic that way is might sound funny uh, for celibate to say that but i, I always have been and I think that's what a lot has done to make me pro-life. It's really a pro-woman thing, as you, as you would agree. It's it's really, you know, do not do this to yourself or to the baby. Um, I remember maybe it was my, a year before Roe versus Wade, you might know this name, is a notorious pro-abortion speaker, Bill Baird. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yes, yes. Bill Baird came to my campus. Oh, Wow. Yeah, and uh, stumping for in favor of abortion. I went to uh, you know a, a, a talk that he gave. It was a small. It was a small group. It was not like to the whole student body. It was um, you know in a meeting room or or something like that. And and, and being dismayed, you know, pretty much dismayed by his uh, by his, his pr presentation. And I I remember the look on the face of one beautiful young coed, and I could just see. Uh, the uh, confusion on her face. I could see her, her, her femininity battling with the 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 dark the darkness that he was coming across with, and obviously he's very convincing in so many ways. You you know the women's rights and your right to your own body, the whole thing. I just remember the look on her face, uh, a, a slight frown, you know, trying to struggle. I couldn't tell where she stood. I think she stood kind of for life, but was but was um, anguishing over his arguments. So uh, mm. from from the get go, I've always been pro life because I've always been pro woman. And what are some ways that you've tried to promote the pro life message? Well, um, especially I remember well vague memories of some dormitory discussions on, on this, and I you know I would take the pro life stance, but uh, as a priest. I was a very, a very much involved in the Saturday morning uh, demonstrations in front of a Hillcrest abortion mill, and I, I would for a while I was going about once a month or once every other month, and I would say, of course, say the pro-life mass that morning at Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament in Harrisburg, and then just a few blocks, and we would uh, we would pray in, in, on the sidewalk, and that was fabulous, and, and so I did that um, a lot. I remember Deacon Charlie Clark, uh, the permanent deacon who was, um, well, actually head of the ecumenical movement of the diocese, and but very, very pro-life as well. And so he and I would be there. We would lead the rosary. And um, I remember doing uh, doing that. Uh, recently, I went back and forth, letter to the editor, was several years ago, um, uh, the, 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 sort of like the town atheist here. <laughs> 
<laughs> in Lewistown, it was also very pro-abortion. And we went back and forth on letters to the editor about three or four times. Of course, you know, I got nowhere uh, with the guy, but you don't know what seeds are planted. I was getting compliments all over town in the cafes, the luncheonettes from non-Catholics saying, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for, for what you're doing. So um, I, I think he, you know, eventually he had the last word, but um, I remember I, I compared it to the slavery issue and he howled bloody murder on that. I still think it's a good analogy that um, you wouldn't say, I don't believe in slavery. I, you know, I, I would never own a slave, but shucks, you know, I'm not going to tell somebody else not to own a slave. If they want to own slaves, that's up to them. Of course, we would never say that. And uh, I think I, I like that argument. Uh, others have used it, including Coretta King, who's the uh, the niece of um, Alveda King. What is it? Alveda King. Alveda. Yeah. Alveda King, the niece of uh, Martin Luther King. And I, I mentioned that, too, in my letters to the editor. It made, it made no difference to him. He thought he howled at the analogy that it doesn't did not apply. But I think it certainly does. So uh, that's those are the kind of things I've done for the, for the and, and of course, going to the annual banquet. Uh, many, many times. Didn't make it. I did not make it this year. I let my parochial vicar go <laughs> so, so he could go. Uh, he's newly ordained. And so he he really enjoyed it. That's wonderful. And we should mention the fact that that Hillcrest abortion facility closed its door. So you're Absolutely. definitely answered. Took a long no, time, but. No doubt happened. about it. And there was, a, was there not a, a Blessed Sacrament chapel across the alley? There was, yes. yeah. They, they, there was a small chapel that they put the Blessed Sacrament there. And boy, you just can't beat that. The power of prayer and the perseverance that it requires. It's it's not ready cash. It's a, you know, it's a deposit and, a, and an investment in prayer to see the results. Definitely. And you mentioned the letters to the editor, and you just don't know what seeds are planted with those letters. No, you don't. I mean, you know, you might not convince the town atheist, but you might convince um, some town agnostics and, <laughs> and some uh, some sure. other people of different faiths. So those those are very important. That's right. Um, I'm. I feel bad about. I guess I'm a typical boomer. Uh, I'm not really good with technology. I'm not really good with the internet. And I keep uh, telling myself to get better at it and to get some coaching. And uh, that's where you really get beat up. Well, I'm telling you, but that's mm -hmm. the thing on the, on the internet. You, you really have to have thick skin. You do. I, you know, in the pro-life movement, we have to realize that we're basically at Calvary and we are carrying the cross. Yes. Um, for those precious babies and their mothers and their fathers. That's right. So we we do uh, endure um, a level of discomfort, but we know in the end that it's worth it. So explain the concept of mercy as it relates to women who have had abortions, because I think people are very much confused about this. There is great mercy for women who have abortions and a shout out to honorable mention, of course, to Rachel's Vineyard, I've not been involved in, in that, in those weekends, uh, but some priests have, and, and women can make those, uh, women who have had abortions, and also uh, men who have um, been victimized by the abortion of their children, either by maybe encouraging it and then repenting, 
um, or not wanting it from the get-go where the mother insists, whatever the case may be. It's for men and women who have been in one way, shape, or form involved in the performance of an abortion. And um, those weekends are very, are very healing. And that extends God's mercy. There is no... Um, there is no unforgivable sin. Our Lord does talk about the unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit. And that's a mysterious, I mean, there's various interpretations of that. The general interpretation has been a final impenitence where right up to the end, the soul does not re repent despite being called by God to repent of, of, of serious sins. And, but in any case, God is on our side and, and, he wants to forgive us. God is anxious to forgive. So I would emphasize that to anybody, a woman or, or a man who's been involved in abortion, God's mercy is, is there. There is his justice, and it's true. God's mercy and justice are perfectly balanced in a way that we cannot really, really fathom. And it is true. There is judgment. There is the judgment day. We're all going to, you know, face the particular judgment. And then the final judgment, the general, the general judgment. We don't talk about this stuff that much because um, um, it you know it seems kind of negative and scary, uh, but it can't be positive. Uh, I, I try to think of the a particular judgment as a time of con not just condemnation but congratulations as well. If we die in the state of grace, and that's what we want to do: die in the state of sanctifying grace. So I would encourage anybody, any you know, Catholic woman or man who's been involved in abortion, get to confession. That is the sacrament of mercy, as our Lord said to Sister Faustina in those apparitions in the 1920s, um, and uh, she and and she's conveyed that message in her wonderful diary that many people read. So mercy is available. Definitely, and how do you think we can reach the younger generation with the pro-life message? I think you people are doing a lot of that um, when you go into the the schools and you bring them the fetal models mm -hmm. um, and um, at the at, at youth ministry gatherings, um, an information booth is really very uh, Im impacts uh, the the young people very much, and even the little kids, preschoolers, and you know. They they see those the fetal the fetal models of the uh, stages of growth inside the womb, and the with the dolls, and they're they're fascinated with that, and that really plants the pro life seed. You know, pro pro choice parents would probably steer them away from that, unfortunately. And there might be some think, oh, they're too young, and that's the parents' discretion. That's the parents' call, depending. But certainly, adolescents and teenagers, uh, it can be a wake up call for for them uh, distributing literature about it cds uh dvds i think uh trying to get into the in, in, into the schools even the, even the public schools why not uh they you know in freedom of speech and the in the interests of hearing all sides uh one might be able to pro-life speakers might be able to get into the high schools and and uh, talk about this and and the college campuses as well, there are pro-life organizations on, on the campuses, and I'm sure they're besieged and beleaguered as well. Uh, nevertheless, um, we have to persevere and get the message out. And, you know, by the grace of God, we can turn this around into a pro-life society. I believe that. 
And how can we encourage our pastors to preach on life, to help us live the gospel of life as lay people? Well, first of all, when you do hear it, congratulate the pastor. Uh, when he does speak pro-life, make sure you and just don't let us don't shrug your shoulders and say, well, that's what he's paid to do. But that, but that, but that. No, uh, congratulate him out in the steps, out, outside or in the vestibule after mass. Um, encourage him to go to the banquet. Uh, my people are really in, in my parishes. <laughs> they want me to have a seat there at the table and uh, you know, obviously, you know, pay the pastor's way and um, take, get him to the annual Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation banquet. And the, of course, the speakers are fabulous. And the, and it is such a wonderful atmosphere there in that banquet hall, wherever you are. Um, and to feel everybody on the same page and to feel that energy, uh, the, 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 the devo devotion, the fervor for the faith. And, um, you know, technically, I, I understand it's not a Catholic organization, um, and, but, but nevertheless, the Catholic Church is very prominent. But, and to have those of other denominations there uh, who are also pro-life is such a, a boost to uh, everybody. So invite the pastor to, to come share with him links, uh, you know, maybe send emails to him ab about that. I think most most priests are, you know, pro-life. I, I think it's unilateral. Now, there are different levels of, of intensity of that, different degrees, but that's okay. Um, I think you can really develop your pastor's pro-life sensibilities in, in those ways by sharing the message with him. Try not to be, you know, try not to be a nag <laughs> um, try, try to be, uh, you know, gentle and positive, um, because priests don't like it. Uh, I, I can tell you when, when they feel, uh, sort of pushed as, as most people are that way. So that was, that'd be my, those would be my suggestions. Excellent. You're listening to Lifelines Radio. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. We are talking all things pro-life with Father William Weary. Father Weary, what is the role of prayer in the pro-life movement? Well, we've already mentioned that tremendous triumph at Front Street of Harrisburg, where the Hillcrest Clinic did close, and that was largely as a result of prayer. And I and I hear these, I, I read these testimonies from all over the all over the country, um, here and there, with uh, abortion mills closing down um, after maybe sometimes years of prayer. Uh, prayer, it works wonders. Prayer is very powerful. You have to, as I said already, you have to take a long view on prayer. Um, it's, it's not immediate results. There's no doubt about it. It's easy to get discouraged, but we should not get discouraged and keep storming heaven on behalf of these babies, uh, of, of our children, of the future generation, and how many we have, you know, killed off. Another way to get to the youth is to talk about their own generate, whether whatever is millennials or, um, you know, X generation and to give them the stats. I don't have them at my fingertips right now of the, of the number of their fellow, fellow students, fellow young people that are, that have been slaughtered. Um, but prayer can turn that around. It was prayer it was rosary crusade that kept Austria from going into the Soviet bloc. 
after World War II. This, Austria was up for grabs between the free world and the Soviet bloc. There was one priest started a rosary crusade and inexplicably one day, Russia, uh, Soviet Union, Russia, Soviet Union just said, ah, that's okay, you can, you can have Austria, we don't want it. Astounding, they never did that. They never, they never do that sort of thing, but they did. And that was because of the Rosary Crusade. And the Rosary is very instrumental in the pro-life movement, as you know. And we, you know, said that we said the Rosary outside the, the Hillcrest Clinic, other prayers as well, and it makes a difference. So don't be discouraged, but keep on keeping on. Definitely. And um, how is the pro-life movement ecumenical? Well, well, one thing that is saddening to me is the silence of the mainline Protestant churches. Our allies are the evangelicals, quite frankly, fundamentalists and the independents. And it's the pro-life movement that has brought us, I think, closer to them. They, they still are, there still are some anti-Catholic elements in those groups, but much less so than the past because the pro-life movement has brought us together. We're all anti-abortion. And I, and I had a minister say that we, in my town, Lewistown, Pennsylvania, I'm Pastor Sacred Heart, Lewistown, St. Jude, Mifflintown. And in uh, Lewistown, we do a, a march through around January, a march through town from uh, Sacred Heart Church, Lewistown to the Bethel AME Church. Uh, about about a half mile away, and the pastor there one year stood up and, and he said it a couple times. He's retired now, but he stood up in front of the group, not a large group, maybe 50, 60 people, and he said the the Catholic Church has been in the vanguard in this in, in this pro life movement. We were we were Johnny come lately. He said that uh, he says and he's a bombastic, uh, really fire fire and brimstone, very dynamic, typical uh, preach uh, evangelical preacher, and he said. God bless the Catholic Church for for bringing me into this pro-life consciousness. So that's been a that's been a tremendous thing. Um, I have a convert a couple is converting, and um, from a mainline denomination, and one of the, and it's it, partially this issue the silence. And quite frankly, it was Lutheran. They're they're Lutherans, and the he said to me, um, he and his wife sat across from me, and he said to me. Um, I didn't leave the Lutheran Church. The Lutheran Church left me. He was referring to a pro-LGBTQ and the silence on on, on the abortion issue, and uh, so that's uh, that's gonna that, that's gonna help, I think, with, with with conversions. If we have sort of a niche market, if we stick with the faith, stick with the truth in in the Catholic faith, and and don't water it down. Again, it can seem negative, unpopular, or unwelcoming. Uh, which is it's none of the above, really, if done correctly, when we speak the truth firmly. Uh, and, it, and it will bring people, I think we'll bring people into the faith. So ecumenically, it's been a great thing among the uh, evangelicals. And, um, you know, I hope the others come on, come on board. Eventually, I go to the ministerium meetings, and it never comes up. And uh, maybe I'm sort of a coward, too. I don't really bring it up, because, you know, it's, uh, it's very, very sensitive, very touchy. And so, and I don't know where they all stand, uh, the, my fellow ministers in town. So uh, some of them might be, pro, you know, privately pro-life, you never know. So that, that's where it is, where it's at right now, ecumenically. 
Now, why do you support the work of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation? The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation has just been fabulous in its promotion of the pro-life cause. Uh, you, you, a lot of bang for the buck with the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation up into your offices. They're very humble, very humble offices. <clears throat> You're not in you know, a glittery uh, skyscraper uh, type uh, situation. And, but what you do is, is just great. Of course, the annual banquet, that's the most prominent, but the lobbying you do, you know, on, on state, at the state capitol and your presence at the March for Life in Washington, D.C., and also your presence in the various counties. You have come, you people have come to uh, Mifflin County uh, many times, and we're way up in the northwest corner of the diocese, but you, uh, and we had your CEO, your, your, your director come uh, recently, uh, your new director, just fabulous. He was just, he was just great. And you've come yourself, Maria, as well, and spoken to our, our group. So, uh, you know, you're out there in the field and you're out there, you're in the legislative halls and um, the, the banquets are always great. So that's why I'm very enthusiastic about the, the organization. And thank you so much. We appreciate your support. And in the two minutes we have left, can you tell me what is your dream for the pro-life movement? My dream for the pro-life movement is really getting a consciousness going, uh, especially in the states. We're not doing we're not doing too well. Uh, the the recent election, apparently, according to the headlines, uh, we we didn't do that well, uh, and there are a lot of uh, pro-abortion, pro-choice measures that, that, that passed um, in, around the country. So my dream would be to reverse that, to keep working on that. We said it from the get-go, and it's so true. Uh, the reversal of Roe versus Wade is just the beginning of the battle. It uh, did not make abortion illegal, exactly, not, a, not across the board, uh, but it allowed states to impose you know, various types of restrictions. And... Um, so my dream would be that we would we would convey that we would establish those restrictions as as much as possible and certainly at, at least limit the the number of abortions working toward I mean, it's a dream I guess but elimination illegality all altogether so with prayer and perseverance that can happen very encouraging words from Father William Weary of the Diocese of Harrisburg Father. Thank you for joining us on the program today. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Federation. We've been speaking with Father William Weary of the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Thank you for joining us for the program today. It's been a pleasure, and we want to encourage all of our listeners to keep up the good fight, the peaceful fight, the prayerful fight, until all lives are protected in Pennsylvania and throughout the United States. And remember, there is always a reason to choose life. Thank you for joining us today.